Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. Um, things are getting ready for trustee meeting here at Lifeway. Oh, wow. So that is next week. So a uh, big week next week with trustee meeting, always a big week. Yeah. With our trustees coming into town, looking forward to getting to hang out with some of those guys and gals and uh, got a like an annual dinner that I have on Tuesday night with a couple of the trustees. It's always just fun. We just get to hang out after trustee meeting ends and go out and kind of decompress and, you know, relive the, the couple of days that we had. So that, that'll be fun. That's great. Now, is this going to be in Nashville or at Ridgecrest? Yes. Yeah, this year in the fall, we're doing it in Nashville. It'll be the first trustee meeting we're able to hold at our new facility. That's exciting. So we had a dinner uh, back in February, but we just didn't have everything available and ready yet because we just moved in like 90 days before. Right. And things were still kind of in process and we're still working on some things, finishing up some touches. But now the building, you know, we've been in 10 months now, I guess. You're and, ready to uh, go. We're ready to go. So we've got a full-blown trustee meeting at Lifeway and uh, everybody's staying downtown and, you know, coming over to the building. So it should be a fun time. Very, very good. Well, we're still, we haven't even begun to think about trustees. We're just trying to kick off the semester. Uh, it looks like everybody kicked off their semester in, into this week and all the seminaries are up and going. Yeah, it had some reports from the convocations at a couple of the seminaries. I saw an article or two about uh, over at Southwestern, uh, Dr. Bingham, the, the first convocation in uh, somewhere around 15, 16 years without uh, Dr. Paige Patterson at the helm at Southwestern. So uh, kind of a new day dawned at Southwestern this week. I uh, also had convocation down at New Orleans this week. I uh, heard a few things coming out of that as well. Also had convocation at, at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Saw several professors signing the abstract of principles and some new faculty members announced. So we'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes. But it it made for uh, a it made for a big week. Uh, our yeah. Com- yeah, our convocation was last week, but we were kind of up and running with chapel schedule and a lot of good things going on. Who'd you have in chapel this week? Uh, Brian Autry was here. Oh, from uh, the SBCV. Yes, from the SBCV. And then we also, so our our typical pattern for the fall is we have our convocation on Thursday, and then the first chapel after convocation is one that the Center for Great Commission Studies oversees, and it's all of our uh, professors and leaders kind of pointing our students toward uh, the Great Commission at the beginning of the school year. And that's always a really great special time. So that was kind of a um, an in-house uh, chapel that we, it's online if anybody wants to go back and look at it. But it's a real sending uh, type of experience. Very, very good. All right. And you, uh, you mentioned the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary located in Louisville, Kentucky. They're committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Thanks again for them being on board as our sponsor for another year. All right. Big news out of Southwestern this week, Amy. They have announced the formation of a presidential search team, uh, to replace Dr. Paige Patterson. And uh, that committee will be chaired by Danny Roberts. Yeah, this is kind of the news that everyone's been been waiting for. Of course, there's been a lot of uh, discussion over this transition for months. Uh, but now I think a lot of folks have wondered where where we're going, uh, have wondered where Southwestern is going next. Uh, Dr. Bingham, both at the SBC annual meeting this year and uh, from what we understand at Convocation, has 
been working hard to sort of chart a way forward, but they, we also have to begin thinking about kind of the next step uh, permanently. And uh, that's so, and here we are. Yeah. And the 11 member committee, like we said, will be chaired by Danny Roberts. Also on the committee are Calvin Whitman uh, from Colorado. I think we've talked about him before. I think he chaired the um, Colorado exec search committee, I believe. Yeah, there, maybe whenever, so. Uh, maybe whenever so. Nathan Lork was hired, uh, Guy Grimes from California, Connie Hancock from Ohio, Todd Houston from North Carolina, Denise Ewing from Illinois, Andre Palmer from New York, Tom James from Kentucky, Philip Levant from Texas, and Jamie Green from Texas, as well as Kevin Eckert, the trustee chairman. He will serve as an ex officio officer, also from Texas. So, uh, got a few Texans. Danny Roberts also a Texan on there. Uh, got a few Texans, but other than the the, the four Texans that are on the committee. A very national committee. I mean, you know, kind of widespread geographically. Colorado, California, Ohio, North Carolina, Illinois, New York, Kentucky. I mean, that's all over the map, Amy, literally. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, of course, we know they have a big job ahead of them any time that our search committees. We've seen this uh, as we have search committees happening at other entities as well. Anytime they come together, they have a big task in front of them. And so our prayers are our prayers are with this group, uh, and we're just we'll wait to see what happens. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the propensity of search committees right now. It's like the Oprah GIF uh, with a "You get a search committee and you get a search committee." Nicely done, <laughs> nicely done. It's, they're all over the place right now. We got three entity head openings uh, more than we've had at any other time, I think, in recent memory. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, it, it just you know we'll just have to see what develops in the future. So uh, congratulations to them, and we will keep an eye on anything else out of Southwestern. Also this week, big news from President J.D. Greer and some state convention execs. Yeah, this is a really cool story. Uh, it looks like they just kind of came in, met at an airport hotel, easy uh, hub for them to all come to, and seems like it was a great day. Yes, everything flies through Atlanta, so it was easy for everybody to meet at right. the Weston Atlanta Airport. Uh, some encouraging uh, statements coming out of that, ex- including from David Hankins, uh, who said the meeting characterized by a great spirit, camaraderie, and willingness to work together. Uh, Greer asked the state convention execs, basically, how may I serve you? And, yeah. and talk, gave them some updates on the presidential uh, study group on sexual abuse, uh, as well as uh, the new gospel above all culture that he is wanting to see uh, prevail amongst pastors, associations, state convention, entities, and seminaries. Uh, so really a, a strong push for gospel above all, evangelism, the uh, the upcoming sexual abuse presidential study. So it's basically an informational meeting, uh, maybe some tactics discussed in there as well, but just kind of get everybody on the same page. I love the idea here. Right. And, just, uh, you know, and yeah. it was, it was met with, you know, great reception. Rick Lance wrote an article for the Alabama Baptist to just a, uh, you know, a fantastic article that Rick wrote about how encouraged he was. Um, so, you know, I, I'm encouraged by this, Amy. Yeah, me too. And, uh, we should, we'll, we'll put the, the Rick Lance article in the show notes as well. In addition to this Baptist press article, but really great stuff. Uh, it talked about what they agreed on. First of all, what you just mentioned, the gospel above all culture prevailing. Also that the good news that Jesus came to save sinners should supersede all geographic, secondary, theological, cultural, and generational differences. And I loved this. This was my favorite part of the article that they all agreed 
to one, assume the best in one another and that they have good intentions. Two, when in doubt, to give the benefit of the doubt. And three, when a question arose or a difference in opinion, extending grace to each other in the same way Christ showed us on the cross. And that was what I tweeted out. I saw a lot of people tweeting the article. That's what I tweeted out from it. Um, because what I think is this is, this is our way forward. It's, it's been a really uh, challenging time for Southern Baptists lately, but this idea of, of our leaders coming together and saying, we're going to assume the best in each other and we're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt and extend grace and, and, and we're going to come to the table working that way. Uh, I think that's how we move forward. Yes, exactly. And I totally agree with you. It was uh, very encouraging to see uh, those statements come out and, and that perspective being pushed uh, by our SBC president, Dr. J.D. Greer. We mentioned it at the top of the show. Southern Seminary added a diverse group of new faculty members this week, including Curtis Woods, the associate executive director over at the KBC. Uh, Curtis is coming on as a faculty member just to, to teach over there, along with Lily Park, Dominic Hernandez, Shane Parker, and Amy Kreider. So uh, it's a good, a diverse group of people coming on faculty over at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boys College. Yeah, really exciting stuff, as well as John Wilsey, who was introduced at Convocation. He's already been announced, had been hired, uh, but this was the time he was he was introduced. Um, Convocation also, they had some folks signing the Abstract of Principles. Uh, that would mean they were elected, newly elected to the faculty, which is different than just coming on, you know, as a, a on, on a appointed basis. Um, so Jeremy Pierre, uh, John David Trentham, Jarvis Williams, and, uh, and Melissa Tucker, which I believe, uh, I believe you told me earlier in the week was maybe only the second female to sign the abstract of principles in the last 20 something years. Yeah. Since Dr. Moeller has been there 25 years, I think she's only the second female, uh, to be elected to the faculty and to sign the abstract. In, so, in that time. I remember yeah. the first one in that time. Oh, you do? Um, I do. Esther Crookshank. I remember when she was It's elected. hard to forget that name, though. I rem- oh, That's and a it's, fantastic name, it's Crookshank. Hard to, and it's hard to forget her because she's incredible. I'm a big, big fan of hers um, and always have been. I remember when she was elected. Uh, she's just delightful, and I remember when she signed. So, uh, so very, very cool. Sounds like it was a good day. All right, and uh, you guys had some news over at Southeastern as well. Yeah, so this was from our convocation last week. We had uh, we had a couple of professors also sign uh, the Baptist Faith and Message and the Abstract. Uh, Adrian Miles, one of our English professors at the college, as well as Tate Cockrell, uh, a counseling professor. But the really big news from our convocation was the installation of a new chair uh, that was endowed in honor of uh, Dr. Charles Page, who had been pastor of First Baptist Charlotte for years, uh, also a, a, a short, brief tenure as the pastor of First Baptist Nashville. But this chair uh, has been in the works for 15 years. In 2003, it was announced, Dr. Patterson announced it uh, before he left here that that a chair would be named in honor of him. Um, and 15 years later, the funds uh, were raised uh, to the point that we were able to install it. So Dr. Chuck Quarles was uh, installed in that, but it was a great day of honoring not just Dr. Quarles, but also Dr. Page and his family was on hand and it was a really special time. All right. Well, that'll bring us over to Guidestone uh, where they opened up their new 
uh, five floors of the uh, the 24-story Pinnacle Tower on LBJ Freeway across from the Galleria there in Dallas. So uh, they sold the building. We talked about that, I think, back in January of this year, and they have moved into their new headquarters. Yeah. At the top of a 24-story. You bet. I bet the views up there are phenomenal. Yeah, I see the seeing the picture that's in this BP story. Uh, the building looks beautiful. Yes, it does. It does. So uh, a very, very nice uh, new building over there at uh, at Guidestone. They are predicting to save $3 million annually by shedding some unused office space and just uh, getting to a better place uh, that's kind of more core to where their people uh, that work there live. So, uh, you know, more convenient, uh, a newer place and, you know, leasing instead of owning. So there's some uh, managed costs that help uh, drop the overhead cost for Guidestone. Yep. Amy, I saw maybe one of the greatest Baptist puns that we've seen in some time. It, it was it was pretty striking. Yes, it was. Um, I, I'm just going to insert a little sound effect right here. <laughs> because BGR announced this week the launch of a Goat Fund Me campaign. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is a an opportunity for us to purchase 1,000 goats for people in need around the world. So they're not, not just e- you and me, like everybody. To right. Purchase. Everybody, not just yeah. us. Uh, so they're not using GoFundMe. They are, their campaign is named Goat Fund Me. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I, I don't, yeah, I got nothing. I, I, I just want to get a goat and, and like name it something. But, um, yeah, you, you know, know, I grew I, up, I grew up with goats. I, I did not know that. I had, we, we had four. I wonder if these are the fainting goats or if the yoga goats that we have here in in Nashville. I I well my, ours, I'm guessing these are more of the um guessing these are more of the milk and uh you know <laughs> shank variety. Right. Right. You know? I would think so. This is for milk the, them and cook them in a stew. Right. Ours were of the eat the grass in the gully between our yeah. house and my uncle's house. The goats. I don't have to mow it goats. Right. No weed eating. So, uh, but they were fun. I mean, when my brother and I would, uh, you know, maybe have a, a, like, if you do this, then I'll feed the goat for a week or whatever. Or, you know, that, that was kind of, that was a, a chore in the house. You really had to pass. feed the goat though. I mean, like, yeah, that's kind of the whole point of a goat is that they well, will you eat had pretty to get much corn. anything. They're supposed to eat the grass, but then you had like corn. We would oh, go okay. get this corn and and stuff. And one of the one of the most challenging afternoons I had in high school was when I drove home, and the goat had gotten out. Uh oh. And my parents weren't home yet, and I I had to I had to get the goat back in. So, All right. so that, that was a total side story. Didn't expect to tell that, but everyone go goat fund me. <laughs> Fund a goat. And, and the reason is because around the world, especially third world countries, and there's a picture in Uganda uh, with a boy holding a goat. Goats are extremely beneficial right. because of everything they provide. Uh, milk, meat, uh, extra income from raising you know baby goats and selling baby goats. So uh, they're easy to take care of you know, because they're, they're a, a bit of a hardy animal that will... <laughs> Yes. Uh, they, they can withstand a variety of things. So it's, um, it's a good little animal, uh, for people to have. Uh, and it's, it's great that BGR is doing this to help, uh, you know, combat poverty and combat also, you know, hunger right. around the world yes. through 
through goats. So they, go buy a goat. Yes, they've also they've also published downloadable resources online. We'll put a link to that in our show notes to help uh, you raise support for the campaign. It includes two games, a list of fundraising ideas, and a plan for a goat-themed youth event. <laughs> a goat-themed youth event. Those I, are words that I every youth pastor out here is going, hmm, let's see. Yep. All <laughs> what right. can I do with that? <laughs> All right. All right. What's next? Back next on to Lifeway, where we don't have goats yet, uh, but we do have shared office space. We've announced the launch of FaithWorks. Uh, which is, uh, think of it as, as a WeWork type of facility, uh, where you have co-working areas, uh, but it's really for, uh, small startups and freelancers, for Christian entrepreneurs and maybe even small businesses. We have some space in the new Lifeway headquarters that we've been able to make available for this. And, uh, so people in the Nashville area, and we're, we're looking to expand beyond Nashville as well, uh, down the road, but people in Nashville can come in. And rent out either a workstation or a drop-in space or a dedicated space or even an office, uh, because we we have maybe you know a couple thousand square feet in the Nashville uh, downtown area because of work from anywhere that has been freed up. So uh, we've got the area, and we're trying to find partner organizations, which are a plenty here in Nashville, by the way. Yes. Uh, of uh, with Christian you know faith groups or nonprofits, things like that. So. Uh, it's a great location in downtown, and it's an opportunity for people to, uh, you know, and come and have a, a professional office environment with coworkers who are also faith-based. I uh, love this. I'm looking yeah. at the website right now. I think yeah, it's it fantastic. Yeah, it offers free Wi-Fi. We've got access to the Lifeway Cafe. You get access to the on-site fitness center. You get the, the conference room access, and we even have parking available as well. So, you know, the dedicated parking garage. So it's it's a great opportunity if you know anybody in Nashville who is looking for you know an office or maybe in an office in a leased environment now and, and wanting to get out of a lease or into a maybe a, a different type of environment, uh, we've got the availability there at faithworks.com. Fantastic. All right, finally, over to the SBCAL, the Southern Baptist Conference of Associational Leaders. They have announced a vision team uh, will research ways to help implement the study team's recommendation uh, that were adopted during the annual meeting. We talked about that here on the podcast, you know, the, the name change from the D-O-M-A-M-S, the Associational Missions Strategist. So uh, we're trying to implement the name change, the different uh, qualifications, and kind of the baseline for uh, requirements that they had uh, brought forth in that report back in June. So uh, according to the SBCAL, the members are Ray Gentry, who's the executive director, Stan Albright, uh, Mark Dance, Dale Fisher, Steve Holt, Jason Lowe, Mark Snowden, David Stokes, Rick Wheeler, and Tony Wolf. So uh, a good group of guys there. Uh, many of those names very familiar to those in the SBC. Uh, we'll have a lot going on and to get those implementation, uh, to get that process implemented. Excellent. All right. That. Does it for the news this week. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go to 1990, uh, uh, which is just an interesting story that popped up on my search. And I always like hitting the stories in the 90s because a lot of them are by Art Tolston. So that that's exciting. And I every time I see one, I wonder, okay, if we highlight this one, is he going to remember doing this story? So we'll have to ask. This is a story about Southern Baptist workers in Jordan and Yemen who were having to evacuate. We had um, 
We had 26 Southern Baptist workers in Jordan, 14 Southern Baptist workers in Yemen. Um, and the, the beginning sentence is that they are making arrangements to evacuate as Middle East tensions continue to mount. And it's just really interesting. It's a, it's a, a lengthy story about this evacuation. And this was August 22nd, 1990. So they're evacuating in the wake of tensions because Saddam Hussein um, in Iraq had invaded Kuwait. So this is, you know, four months, um, four or five months before the, before the Gulf War begins, before we sort of come back and say, uh, you're not going to do that, you know. And so it's, an, it's such an interesting story to think about at the present time, um, these workers trying to figure out what to do, not knowing what was going to happen. Southern Baptists reading about their workers having to come out and just the, the, the feel. Um, and Art did a great job with this story. Uh, he talks about how the workers had mixed feelings about leaving. They wanted to be there to continue their ministries. Um, but they were also concerned for safety and they were feeling frustrated because they were required to like stay inside or close to their homes. Um, they were having to, you know, just ha- it was just a tough decision um, of, of exactly what to do. But this is a great story. And if you just put yourself in the in the place of someone in 1990, not knowing what's about to happen. And then we're on this other side of history uh, to see everything over the last, you know, 28 years that that developed uh, in the uh, the tensions between Iraq and Kuwait. Um, it's, it's just really interesting. So, uh, we look at things where they are now. Um, but there was tension, there was struggle, there was kind of uncertainty of what, uh, our workers should do, our missionaries, and they were all dealing with it this week in SBC history. Yeah. That's something that uh, a lot of times we forget about with the missionaries on the field. A lot of times we, we know we have missionaries in certain countries, but because of security reasons, we can't always talk about it. Uh, so, you know, anytime you see these geopolitical events and, and things going on overseas, you know, pray for your IMB missionaries because right. uh, more than likely we've got somebody, you know, maybe in harm's way over there. Yeah. So now there's a second story that was interesting in this okay. same issue. So I wanted to talk about that being sort of a, a, a current thing that was happening, but it's also about um, it, it's it's not really timed for that week, but it's just talking about how. There's a new strategy of elevating missions to program status. And it, it starts out saying elevating a church's mission work to the same status as education and music is the coming strategy for missions. And it's talking about how mission programs didn't really have like a full time staff member. Um, and, and that education and music ministers did. And this sort of future strategy that was set essentially to have missions pastors. And I thought that was fascinating to read in 1990 because here we are in 2018 and churches everywhere have missions pastors. Some churches have missions pastors and not education pastors. And so I found that very interesting. I love reading these articles because you can actually watch and then you're on the the back end and you can say, well, this strategy happened or it didn't happen. Um, So the whole issue is really, is really good. And uh, we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes, but I I highly recommend people checking it out. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is Mine is an article that was in the Washington Post. You actually were the one that sent it to me. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I knew yeah. you would love it. That's why. 
Yeah. I absolutely knew you would love it. So, and it's actually about a, a former Southern Baptist. Um, it's called The Uncelebrity President, and it's a, a, a very interesting article about Jimmy Carter. Now, this is, I, I know we have, there are lots of thoughts about uh, Jimmy Carter that, you know, policy-wise, and even how he has handled his sort of transition out of Southern Baptist life over the past decades, uh, how he he seems to quit us over and over again. Um, but... This is a, a human interest story, and I always find that how our presidents live and and uh, handle the job, and then how they handle things after the job to be a fascinating uh, story. And I I loved this story. I thought it was really well written, and it just talks about how he is the only president of the modern era who, after you know, just did not pursue wealth, you know, just went back to his home of planes and just living, you know, living life, living in the same house that he, uh, was in very modestly. And, uh, and, and it was, it was just really neat. There's a great picture of them walking home from having dinner at a friend's house with the secret service agents behind. That's got to be the most peaceful secret service assignment. Um, there is, but it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting article. And I, I, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. It is uh it was a fascinating read. I saw that last Sunday morning and immediately sent it to you because I knew that it would be right up your alley. Yes, and so. as a, as a side note, talking about presidents, I tweeted something out this week that Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't now it was at a time I don't think a lot of people saw it, but it's a very interesting uh it was a retweet from the Lyndon Baines Johnson Library and it was just this really funny story. It was a this, you know, today in history that apparently when uh, Mrs. Johnson went to visit Billings, Montana, they gave her a key to the city, but she wasn't supposed to take it with her, and she did. How is she supposed to know that she's supposed to give the key back and give think, it to her? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. And so, but but what's included, what was included in that link was the audio of uh, President Johnson calling her at the residence, I think, from the Oval Office to tell her she had to give the key back. And it's hilarious. I mean, she's like, well, I hope I can find the key. And she's laughing. Um, and so uh, it, this was just a fun week for me uh, in my sort of side interest of yeah. uh, the lives of presidents. But but didn't I read in that that they just kept the key or did she wind up keeping the key and they just ponied up the 35 bucks to redo it up in Billings? I actually didn't read any further research no. on it. So I just listened to the audio. I'll have okay. to look. I think that they wound up keeping it and they wound up just well, she, paying she the $35. Was she was pretty sure she didn't know where it was. So well, yeah. Keeping it as in, we don't know where it is, so we can't send it back. Right. Sorry. So we'll pay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's fascinating. My resource of the week is a new book by a good friend of the pod, Daniel Darling. They're called the Dignity Revolution. Been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter and everywhere about this. It's actually sold out at Amazon. That's how popular this book is yeah. right now. Well, I saw um, I saw his interview this week on MSNBC yes, about he it. He was on Morning Joe. I Morning know you Joe. were jealous about that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I saw that he was going to be on Morning Joe and send that to you. And I was like, I know Amy's going to be like, I can't believe this. Yeah. Because that would be like a dream for Amy to be on Morning Joe. So maybe one day, Amy. Um, what, what I did have fun with, was with Dan's book cover. It's a really neat book cover. He's got just a bunch of different people and, you know, kind of silhouettes based. And I kept looking at the, the silhouettes thinking, now who could this be? And who could this be? And who could this be? Cause like one of them looks like Paul Feinbaum. Uh, one of them looks like Adam DeRitz from the Counting Crows. Uh, one of them looks like, um, uh, there's one that looks kind of like Ed Stetzer. 
uh, if you if you look at it. So oh, now it's, you've got me. I never it's even pretty thought fun. of this. That's so a, that I, I wanted to go game. in there and like make up names for all the uh, the different ones. One of them looks like um, Arturo Vidal, who plays. Uh, he's a European soccer player. Um, well, he's actually from Chile, but he plays in Europe. But um, yeah, he should it's, he it's should funny. start he should start this as a game. One of them he, looks like David Crowder. Everyone out there, tweet to Dan Darling. It's a at Dan Darling. Yeah. Tweet to him the things that you know the the people that you think are on his book. Yeah. And ask him. None of them look like me, Amy. They're, it's, uh, nope, it's they a very, all have hair. It's a very bald, prejudiced. They they all um, have hair. Thing. So I would just be a beard. Yeah. And, and there's not just a beard. I see. I see one that's a. It's straight female, straight hair. Uh, kind of my the length of my hair. That there's one that that looks like me. Which on the the top right or the bottom middle? Um, top right. Okay. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Could be you. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. And I see. It, I see the Ed neat. Stetzer. I see the Ed Stetzer one. Yeah. Top well. middle right. Yeah. 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 All right. Tweet your ideas to Dan Darling. He'll thank us for it. Yes, he will. So, uh, but and check out the book too. So uh, that's uh, the Dignity Revolution by Dan Darling. And that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks again to our sponsor, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Got Lifeway Trustee meeting next week. So that'll mean some updates from my place of employment. Uh, We'll have a big show next week for you, uh, as we always do here on SBC This Week. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.